Mr. Biden says he's moving forward with his transition plans, despite President Trump's refusal to cooperate. There will be a smooth transition to a second Trump administration. Esper told the Military Times his replacement would be the president's, quote, yes man. And if that happens, he says, quote, God help us. Hello, I'm Jason Dick, and this is The Transition, a special edition of Political Theater. It's Thursday, November 12th. Presidential transition times are always a delicate matter, even under the best of circumstances. With President Donald Trump refusing to concede the election and preventing his administration from cooperating with President-elect Joe Biden's team, these are not the best of circumstances. Among the biggest flashpoints is Trump's purging of the senior leadership of the Pentagon, starting with Defense Secretary Mark Esper. There are potentially huge security risks at play, and it's all happening with the backdrop of Trump trying to cast doubt on the validity of the election. CQ Roll Call senior writers Todd Ruger and John Donnelly have been reporting on the legal and national security issues of this chaotic situation. Todd, John, welcome to Political Theater. Hey, how you doing? Hello. <laughs> Good. So, uh, before we get into the some of the stickier uh, uh, issues at the at the Pentagon, Todd, um, you know the, the the president has continued to refuse to concede. Uh, he has filed he and or his team have filed multiple lawsuits in battleground states uh, like Pennsylvania and and Michigan and so forth. What's the status of the lawsuits? We talked about these before on other you know editions of the transition uh, about how the, a lot of these are sort of small bore. But there is a potential effect on on the electors in those states and whether the legislatures might sort of step in. What's the status of some of these, you know, the more high-profile lawsuits? Yeah, well, you you still have the Trump administration going forward on this legal strategy that everybody who uh, is a legal scholar that looks at it says this is um, doomed to fail. Uh, For instance, in Pennsylvania, they filed a federal lawsuit that's at its early stages. And um, they've asked for the Pennsylvania to stop counting to, to, so that Pennsylvania wouldn't certify the results of the election. They've also done that in Michigan. Um, there's a related lawsuit in Michigan that's, that's sought that. Um, the, the issue is that they have submitted a bunch of evidence that goes along with that, um, that of what they say is uh, fraud or, or reasons to, for the state to not certify the election. And uh, so far, it has not amounted to much. It's been, uh, you know, even Trump himself on his Twitter feed has basically said, my observers weren't allowed to, to watch some of the counting. In, in, the, in the worst, very, very worst circumstances of that, they would just recount the ballots. Um, there's no, you know, idea that they would throw out a bunch of ballots. And, and right now, uh, in Pennsylvania, Biden holds up more than 50,000 vote advantage in the, in the latest tally. Uh, and so then the idea is that they might somehow get the state Republican legislature in Pennsylvania to uh, throw out the results of the election and put in their own electors and send their own slate of electors to Congress for when that is counted. Um, the state says, the state um, Democrats say there is not actually a legal mechanism for that to happen, for the legislature to do that. I, th- I think the Republicans say that too. The, the Republican like leaders in the legislature say there's also no way for that to happen. Yeah, and they've also said they didn't, don't want it to happen, so or they don't want to do it. Um, and so, and so you've got basically a legal a legal strategy that is stalling out and and not um, 
able to turn or overturn what looks like it doesn't it doesn't look like there's any lawsuits right now that would overturn one state let alone multiple states which is what uh trump would need to get enough electoral votes to uh taken away from joe biden to to throw doubt on the results but the overall effect at least at this point is confusion uh in the middle of a presidential transition and uh john you're uh, our our senior correspondent at the at the pentagon and you've been um covering the place for a long time um, we have seen uh, the, the degree of uncertainty in the, for, over the electoral process start to creep into uh, the transition at the Pentagon. Uh, the, the president fired uh, Mark Esper, the, the defense secretary, and then there was a series of other uh, actions that happened. Uh, th- is, this, is this normal, <laughs> what we're seeing? <laughs> no, it's absolutely not normal. It's bizarre uh, that... <clears throat> In, you know, in the interim, in the transition period between administrations, of course, Trump is acting like it's not really a transition to a new, new administration, but everyone knows it is to to to, you know, fire people at, at this point is just begs the question why. Right. And um, and no one really knows what the answer is to the question. I mean, just to, just to recap, I mean, it wasn't just Esper. It was about half the top, uh, if you include him, about half the top senior civilians in the Pentagon, the undersecretary for intelligence, the undersecretary for policy, a new chief of staff for the secretary, uh, uh, a new uh, policy advisor named Doug McGregor, who's a, um, sort of an Islamophobe and an advocate of extracting U.S. troops from Afghanistan right away. Uh, a couple of these people are Devin Nunez, um, you know, this, this um, the former former top Republican on the the House Intelligence Committee, who sort of fed fed a lot of conspiracy theories about uh, the impeachment and so forth. Exactly, and uh, I mean, two of these people uh, were nominated for other positions, but were so extreme that they couldn't get, even get through the Republican Senate. Um, so, you know, these are these are real Trump loyalists who are in there, and again. The question is why, and really no one, well, Trump may know the answer, but most people don't know the answer. Um, could it just be spite, peak, getting back, you know, settling some scores? Um, it's, it's probably at least that. Uh, but the question is, if these people are more compliant, what are they going to comply with? Is it, uh, I guess the, there are a couple of theories that are, that are leading the pack right now. One is, uh, a an all-out withdrawal from Afghanistan before Trump uh, leaves office. Another is that Trump. There is apparently some intelligence that Trump believes shows that Vladimir Putin did not work to get Trump elected in 2016. Trump wants this information declassified. He's getting pushback from everybody at the top ranks of the of the U.S. national security establishment because they're afraid that it will revol- uh, divulge a, a source or method. Uh, that will hurt America's ability to get information going forward. So those are the top two. But I mean, I talked to former Defense Secretary Chuck Hagel yesterday, who basically doesn't put anything past Trump. Um, he says he, he thinks he could even, um, as he put it, blow a, an Iranian ship out of the water in the Persian Gulf just to create a distraction. So people are definitely on pins and needles about what the next uh, shoe to drop is going to be. And again, under under the best of circumstances, why uh, why just to do a quick you know explanation of why this is such a sensitive time for national security during these in, in, inter interstitial times between administrations? Well, I mean, think about it. You know, well, Trump is blocking the transition across the government. 
but it's especially important, uh, you know, in national security. Uh, ideally, you would have the new Biden team coming in and getting briefed by members of the Trump administration who have been involved for months or years in what's going on. Now, the newcomers are being briefed, will be briefed whenever it happens, by newcomers. And so the new people are just getting their feet wet. They're trying to figure out what's, you know, what's what. And they're supposed to fill in the, the, new, the new Trump team. I mean, that's just one practical way in which uh, this is not ideal. Then there's also the possibility, however remote, that adversaries might try to take advantage of the confusion or uncertainty and think if there's ever a time for us to strike, whatever that strike might be and wherever it might happen, now's the time. I don't know how much stock to put in that, but I would say that there's it's at least a non-negligible risk. And, and Todd, um, you know, there is a, there's a lot of, um, you know, concern that the, that the president's team is not following the law uh, when, um, when it comes to the, the presidential transition. Um, what, what sort of legal recourse uh, do, 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 uh, do the, to say, the Biden transition team have or, or, or Democrats uh, to force his hand? Because we're, you know, we have a January 20th inauguration. Uh, that is when the, you know, the president's term is up, regardless uh, of, of what he thinks. Uh, and it, is there enough time for this to work its way through the courts? Or is this just something that we're going to have to keep covering and, and sort of deal with? Uh, well, you know, one of the defining things about the Trump administration uh, in terms of legal stuff has always been, can he do that? It's even, that's a name of another podcast, I think, <laughs> right. is can he do that? And, and, the, <laughs> and, the, um, and the answer is usually, well, we don't really know because it's never been tried before. It's never been tested. Um, you know, one of the things is, uh, that's happened is the GSA has said that they won't um, you know, release some funds and and help with the transition. Um, one of the things uh, that that Biden is doing is saying, you know, everybody will come around. This will work itself out. It's not a problem. You know, just remaining calm, saying we're our transition is moving forward just fine. It's not going to la- leave any lasting damage. But you know, one of the things that you could you can look at is uh, the 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 coronavirus. Response. Uh, you know, Biden put forward his his uh, team that's going to tackle that. But uh, right now, there's no real working with the administration on on any of that. Um, and that's you know, there's there's a raging pandemic. The pandemic is as bad as it's ever been. And so there are some people that say jo- Joe Biden should go to court and get uh, an order f- to force the GSA to release some of these funds, but. You know, it, it probably can't work its way through the court system fast enough. It's a novel issue, never come up. Um, you know, it would ha- if they wanted to, they could just keep spinning it all the way to the Supreme Court, and it would never be through the courts in time by by January twentieth. John, back to you. Like, if if the I, again, you know, bouncing off what Todd um, was saying about like we don't know <laughs> because we've never been fa- we've never faced this situation before. Have we ever been in the kind of situation where it's there is a, a a standoff, and maybe not. We don't know what's going to happen between the civilian leadership of the Pentagon and the uniform military of uh, leadership uh, in the Defense Department. Um, you know, there there's we're sort of waiting to see if there are any more dominoes to fall there. Uh, but it's not hard to imagine that 
if the if the if the president's team in the Pentagon sort of starts to uh, run afoul of what the uniform military knows is need, needs to happen, uh, that we could see some conflict. What happens in that kind of situation? Well, I mean, ultimately, well, there's disagreements all the time between uh, you know uniform and civilian, but you know there's no there's no confusion about the fact that. We have civilian control of the military, so um, you know the. the uh, let's say, uh, I mean, the the military could want something to happen that the civilians don't want to happen, or vice versa. Civilians would want the military to carry something out that the military thinks is, say, unconstitutional or unwise. Uh, they they are not obliged to carry out an unlawful order, of course. And uh, General Milley, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Made a gave a comments yesterday on Veterans Day where he said we do not take an oath to an individual, and he didn't have to name any names. Um, but I think his message was pretty clear there. So um, you know there could be situations uh, if this new team of Trump loyalists wants to do some things that are potentially dangerous. We could definitely see some pushback behind the scenes by the military. But at the end of the day. Uh, civilians are in charge. Todd, um, the the tra- the most recent sort of transition law that we are uh, sort of ostensibly or theoretically uh, um, adhering to right now was actually written by a former chief of staff to Joe Biden, Ted Kaufman, who was also a senator uh, who was appointed to replace him when he when he won the vice presidency. Um, and and we thought that you know perhaps that this was um, okay you know a lot of uh, T's crossed and eyes uh, dotted uh, with this new transition law, uh, and here we are. <laughs> do you think uh, not to look too far into the future, but do you think that we could see a revisiting of of the of transition laws to see to to say like no this really does need to happen or or just like to say like we obviously need to make this even more specific because of the confusion that we're under right now. Uh, yeah, so so you can just add this to the list of things that Democrats think need to be fixed um, or or solidified after um, a Trump presidency. They like, for instance, we're still in this crazy time of this transition where people are wondering who Trump might pardon, and if so, might he pardon himself before leaving office? And that falls again in that category of well, no president's ever done that, so can he do it? And, um, you know, I know that, that House Democrats had, a bi- had bills about pardons and abuse of the power, pardon power, seeking more oversight of the pardon power. Um, and, and so this, you know, this transition stuff could just be yet another thing where they say, okay, this is a norm that used to be followed. It used to be, you know, there's never really a challenge to this law. Um, and so now we need to either strengthen this law or put this norm into law. Um, and so I think I think you're going to see a lot of that uh, in the next in the next uh, session of Congress. John, what are you looking for in your reporting in the next couple of weeks? As as you're also probably trying to you know get a make sure you have a turkey and and pumpkin pie and so forth as we're heading towards a holiday, like as if we have don't have enough to worry about in like a normal life at, at this point. What are you what are you looking for? Uh, you know, in 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 signs of what comes from the Pentagon. We're definitely wondering what. If these people are more compliant, what are they going to comply with? What is the what is the thing that they are all being sent over there to do? I mean, that's the that's the obvious big question. You know, assuming there is a big thing, but you, you know, you got to you know, okay, it's possible he just cashiered all these people out of spite, but 
you know, there's a pretty good chance that he wants them to either do something or let him do something uh, that the that the predecessors would not uh, allow. And so that's the big question: what is it? What what is it going to be? Um, and yeah, and also just how is this transition going to unfold? Biden has been very patient and calm, uh, as uh, as Todd pointed out. You know, but as the weeks go on. Uh, especially, you know, as you get into next month, um, it's going to start to get more and more serious with each passing week of a failure to, uh, to hand over the, the, the reins of power smoothly. And Todd, uh, you know, one of the things I, I know you're probably, uh, paying attention to, uh, and I don't want to answer all of your, your answer for you, but I know that we're also anticipating is Chris Ray, the director of the FBI, is he potentially, uh, in the, on the chopping block for the president too? Uh, right. Yeah. I mean, there, there's been some rumblings around conservative social media and stuff that, that Ray is a problem and Ray has in. Uh, the run-up to the election, gone to Congress and testified and said some things that were, um, you know, in opposition to what Trump had been saying, uh, for instance, uh, on Antifa, the sort of left-wing um, group or organization. Well, Ray says uh, to Congress that it's not necessarily a group. Uh, it's not one organization where Trump had been saying that's one group that needs to be labeled as a domestic terrorist group kind of thing. Um, and so there, there is some conflict there. Um, there's also conflict that Trump, you know, still says that he's the victim of the worst crime in, in history with the FBI investigating him and his 2016 presidential election, and that he doesn't think Ray has done enough to, to sweep that out, uh, any corruption that he sees in there. Now, um, Ray has also been dealing with a lot of, of the domestic violence that's been happening. Uh, for instance, the FBI um, arrested 13 men uh, in a plot to kidnap the uh, the governor of Michigan, the Democratic governor of Michigan. There's questions about whether Trump, um, you know, challenging the election and, and saying that it was fraudulent is is going to rally some of those right wing groups to to go out into the streets. One of the things that that would would do, though, however, is if Trump, the the FBI director, has a ten year term uh, and he's only been in that spot for one or two years. So um, Biden would be, you know, s- stuck with Trump's pick, Ray, for FBI director. I would note too that Chris Ray is is was Trump's pick uh, to to <laughs> you know to to direct the FBI. He didn't inherit him. He's a Republican, uh, much like Jim Comey is a Republican, much like Robert Mueller is a Republican. Uh, and as you said, like this would clear the field to you know uh, be. <laughs> Um, you know the, the the Biden to pick anybody he wants. Um, so I, I also I mean like there's some of these like some you mentioned some of these like right wing um sort of groups like Proud Boys and Bugaloo. These these are already mentioned as domestic terrorism like sort of or or domestic terrorism curious if you will. They are already kind of organizing some of these like marches and so forth. Uh, they're coming to D.C. and so forth. Is that you know I mean. What effect does that have uh, besides from just like sort of the spectacle of the, of the, or the theater? Well, I, th- I mean, I think this is where you get into the what, what some people that I talked to said that the longer that Trump uh, denies the reality of the electoral college and the, and the results of the election, the more oxygen it gives to these people, the more uh, the, these groups um, that, that are coming out and, and, uh, and, and maybe marching this, this weekend in 
in D.C. I, you know, I saw a, a report where they didn't even have any permits to do so. You know, not that these groups are are necessarily interested in following all of the, you know, protest laws or whatever. But um, they, you know, they, the longer that this goes on, the longer that Trump casts doubt on the election, the more um, these groups have time to, to organize or march or um, get it in their head that, that this is actually the truth, that there was a, a wide, widespread fraud in the election, even though there has been no proof of that so far. John, do you think we're going to see more debate? Uh, debate would be uh, using a kind word about uh, invoking the Insurrection Act uh, if, if uh, some of these protests get out of hand or something? Uh, yeah, it, it it could happen, and 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 it may be, that, and that was one of the things that Esper and Trump disagreed on. Uh, back in June, Esper publicly uh, contradicted Trump on whether active duty troops were needed to quell disturbances in the streets, uh, and that that may be the the main reason he he, he was fired. Um, but uh, so yeah, so we may we may see that. You know, it strikes me though that. In the last four years, Democrats have repeatedly said that Trump has done irreversible damage to our institutions. And for the most, most of those claims, it's not true. Because most of the time, on most of these things, Biden and subsequent Congresses and presidents are going to be able to reverse. But the thing that worries me the most, and, it, and it's a security issue, is if millions of people believe that our elections are rigged. And that seems to be the case right now. Millions of people believe what Trump is saying. That's not going to go away very quickly. And that is something that could have long-lasting uh, damaging effects. That could, be, that could be the one major legacy of the, Trump of the Trump administration that lasts for a while. And, you know, it's, it's kind of worth stating that the ballot box is the alternative to violence. It is... <laughs> Yeah, that is what that is. If we lose the faith that we can redress grievances there at the ballot box, then, you know, it just opens the door to a lot of bad things. And it and it and it hurts really what makes us civilized. Well, Todd and John, uh, thank you for your reporting uh, as uh, sort of unsettling as it can be. Uh, I, I really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, we have we have a long ways to go uh, in the story. But thank you for, uh, you know, sharing what you're what you're learning and what you're looking forward to uh, uh, as the as the coming weeks approach. Yep. Thank you. Thank you very much. That's going to do it for this edition of Political Theaters of Transition. On behalf of the CQ Roll Call Newsroom, thank you for listening.